Welcome to the St. Michael Lenten Podcast Series. My name is Mary Lesman, and I'll be leading our meditation today. Our theme this Lent is Called to More. This Lent, find guidance and hope in the example of Christ as we are led toward the ultimate hope of the resurrection. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Come, let us adore Him. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 19 to 35. Then he went home, and the crowd came together again, so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for the people were saying, He's gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he cast out demons. And he called them to him, and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they have said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside, asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Here ends the reading. Today's passage can sound a bit disturbing to us. There's talk of Beelzebul and demons and Satan, for crying out loud. And we Episcopalians tend to get pretty squishy when we talk about Satan. But the context of this dramatic passage is important, so let's set it up. Jesus' first healing, back in chapter 1, is the casting out of unclean spirits from a man possessed. Since then, in less than two chapters, he has healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law, the sick and demon-possessed of that village, a leper, a paralytic, a man with a withered hand, and the sick and possessed of the multitude who hear him teach at the seaside. So Jesus has been quite busy kicking off his ministry, and his overwhelming focus has been healing and casting out demons. Jesus' activity has put him on the radar of the religious authorities. Several times already, the scribes and Pharisees have push back on Jesus, asking him by what authority he's able to accomplish these miracles. Having not received an answer that is to their liking or fits in with their power structure, they have now moved on to defining Jesus. They want to get out in front of this troublesome upstart, and so they begin floating their own narrative. First, this guy's crazy, and second, he's possessed by Satan. Who else but the ruler of demons could so easily cast out demons? And the insidious thing about this smear campaign is that it's not carried out by one outlier. It's not some random Joe scribe 
looking to increase his Twitter followers or get some name recognition in advance of an upcoming election. No, it is the group. It is a calculated, concerted move to take down Jesus' ministry and diminish him in the eyes of the people. This is talking point fake news at its ugliest. But as he always is, Jesus is ready to challenge their characterization of his words and actions. If I'm on Satan's team, why would I be casting out demons? That would be akin to tackling my own teammate or shooting a guy in my own platoon. If that were true, it wouldn't take long for the whole venture to dissolve into chaos. I'm not playing for Satan's team. I'm rendering Satan powerless. I'm tying him up so that I can enter what has been his domain and reclaim it, redeem it as God's own. Finally, Jesus takes off the gloves to convict those who accuse him. All humanity will be forgiven for their sins and their blasphemies. But whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit is guilty of an unforgivable eternal sin. Those of us who still worry about whether we're in the sheep line or the goat line are highly motivated to know exactly what Jesus means here. I mean, if there's only one unforgivable sin, that should be easy to manage, yes? I can write it on a note card and tape it to my bathroom mirror and make sure I stay on the right side of Jesus. But while Jesus' teaching here is clear and direct, it is anything but easy to avoid. What Jesus says is, What is unforgivable is calling that which is of God through the Holy Spirit as being of Satan. Jesus is calling out a hardness of heart whereby anyone, especially those who are quite vested in their belief that they are following God's rules and living a righteous life, is unable or unwilling to discern the difference between the power of the Holy Spirit and the demonic. I wish this was as easy as it sounds, calling that which is good, good, and that which is evil, evil. It sounds so straightforward. But we have an uncanny way of deluding ourselves in these matters. We look at people and movements who don't believe the same things we do, who don't vote for the same candidates we do, who don't have the same priorities that we do, who don't have the same life experiences we do. And we are quick to say, you know, that might be evil. I might need to fight that on God's behalf. We are unable or unwilling to see the healing and restoration of life that is taking place because it doesn't look like we expect or come from sources that we can embrace. Jesus accepts everyone, Gentiles, Jews, the poor, the demented, the sick, women, tax collectors, and outcasts. The only people who provoke his intolerance are those who speak with assurance about who God is willing to love and how God is working in the world. So we who would follow Jesus, who would stay clear of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, are called to embody a great deal of humility, to be agents and acknowledgers of healing in the world and to be willing to see God's action in unexpected places. Amen. 
Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. 